There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Uh, delighted to be with you at this uh, t- today. It's a at a sort of key time in global history, really, and, and the US with uh, election, uh, hopefully a decision um, happening very, very soon. Um, but we sit in this world at the moment with the pandemic and um, the impact that's having on economies around the world and, I say, a US election. And, and therefore, today, I just think what a, what a key moment to have Maggie Craddock join us to, to be able to talk about navigating unexpected career change and disruption. In, in, in my work, where I'm working with companies and helping them to elevate the performance through people and build an engaging workplace, I've certainly noticed over the last few weeks, I've been talking to people, to clients, not just about growing their businesses, but you know, about survival, um, also about um, you know, situations around personal situations around um, you know marriages that are being impacted, uh, around um, the impacts of kids, mental health, and uh, I've never felt a period where there's been so much change and disruption to people's lives uh, that um, this topic with Maggie just absolutely hit me when um, I was approached about it being on the show as being a, a brilliant, brilliant topic. Before we go on to uh, the interview today, I want to say a thank you to, to Michelle Ibs. Michelle talked about something last week, which was uh, about virtual assistance, uh, which is very specific topic, but I know a lot of people obviously are utilizing virtual assistants today, and a lot of people through this, um, the changes that are going to go on are going to go and probably become you know, self-employed, and are going to need to utilize them. So Michelle um, is a real expert around this area and has a very successful business and, and an amazing backstory, and if you're interested in how to, to find and utilize a, a virtual assistant, how to work with them to get um, the most benefit and select them, then I think that was a really content-rich show last, uh, last week. So are you, at the moment, facing an unexpected you know, career change? Are you feeling really disrupted right now by these times, these unprecedented times? Or are people asking you for advice and guidance and resources to help them? If so, I think you're going to find today a really powerful show. And if you find this content helpful, please do share it to as many people as you can, um, because you know, the essence of this show is about helping people and about adding value. And I think the content here could help many, many people today. We're going to discuss the key questions and the mindset needed to effectively navigate these sudden waves of financial stress, management shakeups, downsizing. And Maggie Craddock, my guest today, is the president and CEO of work, Workplace Relationships. She's a veteran executive coach. She's known for her work with Fortune 500 CEOs and senior management. She's been featured all over the place, CNBC, ABC News, National Public Radio. And her articles 
have been on emotional agility in the workplace and various things have been um, discussed in the Harvard Business Review, the Opera Magazine. She's a certified therapist, author of The Authentic Career and Paragenes, and been a very popular keynote speaker around the world and at universities on uh, and various personal growth seminars and things like that. And uh, for her, uh, she was a leading portfolio manager as well, working for Scudder, Stevens and Clark, and she received various awards for doing that uh, and uh, managed a huge um, billion dollar um, portfolio, um, billion dollar fund, which, of course, um, through that experiences and the stresses I imagine around subprime and things um, meant she experienced um, the need for a career change and a disruption. So a huge welcome today to Maggie Craddock. Well, thank you so much, Chris. It's wonderful to be with you. You're very welcome. And crikey, Maggie, what, what times are we going through at the moment? It, it's really incredible, isn't it? And I think that one thing we can all agree on is that, you know, the skills we need when it's business as usual are not the same skills that we need when we're facing this level of extraordinary change and disruption in our world. Yeah, and I'm just really pleased that you're here to to guide us through it. <laughs> <laughs> Do my best. You know, this is hard for us all, isn't it? We're in it together. We certainly are. We, we certainly are. And I, I had a I have a sort of group of very highly conscious uh, individuals who've been guests on this show. I, I put together. We 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 come together and we talk about how to raise consciousness and raise consciousness around the world and help in this sort of situation. And one of the groups said recently that she said, we, my neighbor said to me that we're, we're all in the same boat. And uh, then she had, I went away and thought about it. And I thought, actually, yeah, but you know, sadly our boats are all different. You know, my boat's actually quite different to yours and uh, I'm quite concerned about you. And we've got to be mindful of that, haven't we, that we are all in the same boat, but actually some of us you know, have got the ability to weather it a bit easier than others. Well, it's so true, Chris. And the other thing is, even though we're sort of all in the same boat in that we're operating, many of us are working from home and things like this, one size does not fit all when it comes to our priorities under pressure and how we react under pressure. So we have to be mindful of that when we're dealing with other people. Uh, where's, um, where's home for you, Maggie? I'm in Exton, Pennsylvania. And it is an absolutely beautiful day today here, Chris. If you look out the window, the sun is shining. There's so much to be grateful for. And at the same time, as I'm sure everybody realizes around the world, we're gripped with politics right now. So we're all in the process of balancing, you know, what's happening in our country and what's happening in our lives when you talk of different boats, right? Yeah, and you've got, you're in a sort of key state today. I mean, we don't normally talk on this show too much about key issues because people listen to these for years. However, it is such a, an unusual time, isn't it? And your, your sort of vote in Pennsylvania uh, is very important. One of the four states people are focusing on at the moment. I think what we're all looking at right now is, and I'm going back to your different votes thought here, Chris, is that, you know, under normal conditions, most of us are fairly uh, objective, uh, but under a lot of pressure, we can see how polarized people's thinking can get, can get. And again, you know, when it's business as usual, most of us are pretty good with emotional triggers and giving other people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but under pressure like this, uh, emotional triggers can really capsize people and cause them to really lose their sense of balance in the way that they're judging themselves and others. So we're, many of us, I think, are looking through the election to however it pans out, how our country moves forward in a more united way. And you just mentioned there that you were, it's a beautiful day and you're looking outside and 
You've been, been outside in blue skies and it was the same here today, actually, in Leicestershire in the United Kingdom. And I went through a nice walk today and I thought about you because you've got a, a real passion for trees, haven't you? I do. I absolutely love trees. I, I paint them. I photograph them. Oh, I write about them. I absolutely. Trees are my passion, Chris. Very much so. So we should, we'll talk about that passion, passion in a moment because I'd like to understand what you you know, what you, what you gain from trees. But also just before we do that, I'm just interested to know, you know, what inspired you to do what you do today? And you know, what, what do you do today? <laughs> well, you know, as an executive coach, and, and this cycles through all three of the books I've written, you were referring to them, Lifeboat is sort of the third in a trilogy, right, of books that I've written around careers. And I think what's inspired me the most about this is realizing in my own walk, in my own career, I mean, I started my career on Wall Street roughly around Black Monday when we were facing very difficult situations and we thought all the jobs had dried up in finance. And I discovered quickly that you can have a good career if you're smart, but you're only gonna have a great career if you're brave. And finding the courage that it takes to chart your own course and not have that dictated for you by outside forces stems, I think, for a lot of people from the conversations they have with themselves, right? As, mm -hmm. as coaches, we're trained to help people have persuasive conversations in board meetings or great conversations in meetings or good feedback conversations with their staffs or, you know, the, those make or break interviews. But it's the conversations we have with ourselves that really dictate what we have the confidence to do, uh, the range of options we're able to see in a thorny situation, uh, you know, whether we choose to reach out and try for something or not. And so those are very foundational. And I think realizing that and digging deep within myself to try to find that courage at a difficult time in my own life was what launched me on this path. Ah, and uh, that, that difficult time, that was, was that around when you were managing this fund and you suddenly realized that maybe there was a bit more to life? Well, you know, when I went for my first job, I went at a difficult time. And I just kept on going and kept on going and remained as positive as possible and finally landed something that was right for me. But in the course of my own portfolio management career, I, I had a lot of external success. We won two Lipper Awards. We had the top performing fund in the nation. Michael Lipper was congratulating me, all this wonderful stuff. And I still had one of those aha moments at one point that made me question whether or not what I was doing was the highest and best use of my talents, Chris. And I was definitely proud of the investment results we were producing. I was even more proud of the way we did it because our team was really great at supporting one another and, and communicating in a way that just really reinforced everybody's personal integrity with each other and didn't diminish it. So we, we, we worked really hard at that. Um, but I, you know, I, I also realized that understanding the human dimension of how our relationships with ourselves and other people and organizations need to be aligned was so important. And so I think realizing the human piece of business and how vital that was, uh, was another piece that launched me in, in terms of my coaching career. Yeah, I can, I can really relate to that in my own career, you know, building up to a, a corporate career and a position that I kind of dreamed of. And when I got there, I thought, hmm, I'm not sure I actually quite like this as much as I, I thought I would, you know, with five and a half thousand pubs to ensure they got all the food and drink and services and things like that and restaurants. Um, but actually, I looked through my career as well, and I realized that the different, all the different things I'd done, the, 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 the key thing for me was I loved working with people and leading yeah. people. And so that kind of led into, in, into my career. And then, so, I mean, the trees, what, what, um, what's the sort of metaphor or the, the you know, I, think, I think trees are amazing as well. And 
and you know they've got roots and a foundation and do you do you uh, have have a a view yourself around around trees and um and how you utilize them within your thinking well you know here's what i think it is for me chris and it's not just about thinking it's what happens to my state of being when i can't think at all right mm-hmm. when when uh when my emotions have been triggered or there's just been a little bit too much multitasking going on um, and the adrenaline coursing through my system is kind of causing my brain to flatline. And I think that that happens to many brilliant, talented people in the workforce. They're, they're, they don't have access to the logic and the strategic thinking they do under normal circumstances when they get really triggered by too many outside stressors. And what trees do is just when you think you're so overstimulated with social media and all these different emails and everything that you don't know how to center, trees are right there for you. And there's just a felt sense of being in the present moment when you're out in nature or you're just, you know, in awe of an absolutely spectacular tree. And it takes you right back to where you are in the moment. And when you get there, your priorities and sometimes even the discovery of strengths you didn't even know you had or the problems that you're facing, you can put them in perspective, right, and understand what you can solve and what you can't. All these things open up for you when you're in the present moment and you have that sense of perspective. And I think being in nature and trees in particular do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, it's kind of an energy, isn't there, around being around trees. It's a, it's a calming one, but there's, uh, I think there's more we don't understand about this and the interconnectedness of life and trees are systems and um, yeah, it breaks my heart when you hear how many are being knocked down and cut down and, so we've, we've got to address that. Oh, listen, with all the things going around the world that we, we are concerned about, the Brazilian rainforest and problems there is probably number one, has been number one on some of the things I truly care about. Yeah. So there, there weren't many trees on the Titanic. I mean, there must have been one or two in pots. <laughs> <laughs> there must have been one or two on pots because it was a pretty amazing ship at the time. And your latest book is called Lifeboat. It's about navigating unexpected career change. And you used the metaphor of the Titanic. And, you know, I think this subject, I say, is very, very important. But I wonder why, why did you choose to use the, the Titanic as a, as a metaphor for today and for career change and disruption? That, that, might, be, that might be pretty obvious in terms of the iceberg, but why, why did you choose to do that? Well, I think some of the questions that we're all dealing with at a very personal level right now, Chris, in our businesses and in our family lives are very similar to what many of the survivors of the Titanic faced at a time when everything changed in an extraordinary way for them. Questions like, you know, how long will this last? Right? <laughs> how bad will this get? You know, who yeah. can I trust? And, you know, how will going through all of this change me? And, and I, I think uh, the central metaphor of the Titanic really helped me clarify the difference between what I refer to in the book Lifeboat as the big ship mindset versus the lifeboat mindset, right? And so if you think of the whole story of the Titanic, there were an awful lot of things that were going on with everyone who got on that boat, bought their ticket, knew where they were in the cruise, uh, you know, hierarchy and all of this before the ship ever set sail. There was this whole mindset of moving quickly, uh, cutting corners to save costs, going through the icy waters of the Atlantic faster than they needed to. It was all about impression management. And, and almost at a subliminal level, but it was very persuasive, people were encouraged to know their part, play their part, 
suppress any feelings that weren't, you know, part of that role they were expected to play. And, you know, in that role, you know, always stay busy playing your part faster is better as they're hurtling through the waters. And as we know on that ship and even in our lives, when you're moving faster than you need to and you miss warning signs, right? And for those of us in business, that could be issues with our clients. And today it can even be important issues or priorities in our families. You're moving a little too quickly. And then the Titanic metaphor just gives us a marvelous example and and, and a rather chilling one, no pun intended, of what happens when one minute you're on this giant ship that's heralded as unsinkable in the press. And the next minute, there you are, huddled together with people you've never met in tiny watercraft fighting for your life. And a a whole new set of norms kicks in. And that involves really being present in the moment because potentially your lives are on the line, right? Taking strategic pauses under pressure, not just rushing around. And one thing I talk about a lot with clients and in Lifeboat is literally how we sequentially slow parts of our lives down so we're not overlooking really important things that we need to know in the present moment. And then finally, and I think this is critical for all your listeners, aligning your thoughts and your feelings and being clear about your intentions in the present moment. I often tell people that inner alignment is critical because from the lifeboat mentality, you're dealing with a situation where you have more questions than answers. And so when you're facing the unknown, you can't think your way through that without having that inner alignment of trusting your feelings and acknowledging them and noticing what's happening with other people every step of the way. Fantastic. Well, if you're listening to this right now, I told you this was going to be good. Uh, Do therefore join us after the break in a couple of minutes. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll share some of the questions, Maggie will, that these lifeboat questions that can, um, you know, kind of help us the things that we've got to really think about. And we'll talk about some of those in, in detail. I love that idea. You know, how do we slow things down? How do we align our thoughts and our processes together such that right now that you make the right decisions in this critical moment of history and in whatever way it's impacting you. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm reading Maggie Craddock, and we're talking about navigating unexpected career changes and disruption. We're talking about the story of the Titanic before the break as well, which is a, an incredible metaphor for um, disruption and uh, all those emotions that are involved with it. But it just, it just um, feels to me that situation was, was one that people very quickly had a rug pulled from under their feet, uh, had to, had to um, you know, move into survival instinct. Um, so, Maggie, there are eight lifeboat questions in your book. So what is a lifeboat question? And could you give us a, just a, a quick overview of them? And then what we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about a few specific ones. Well, absolutely. You know, what we call a lifeboat question, Chris, are these questions that many of the people on the Titanic faced and how they shaped their relationships with themselves, others, destiny at large, if you will, and how what they went through parallels what so many of us are going through in our lives and careers today as we face just unprecedented change on so many levels at once, right? So the, the first question in the book is, is simple, is, is this ship safe? Because, you know, as we noted uh, prior to the break, many people who boarded the Titanic believed that ship was unsinkable, right? So if you think of your organization and your career as your ship, you want to think of it both as a financial asset and as a corporate community. So you want to say, well, will this firm survive? Can aligning myself with this organization keep my family and my finances on track so we get through this whole thing? But you also want to ask yourself questions like, you know, will the group energy of this, this organization support my sense of self, right? Because the group energy of any uh situation that you're supporting will impact what you normalize as acceptable behavior, your values, your self-esteem, in some cases, even the inner pace at which you lead your life. You can't just power down from a webinar and have all that gone and step out your office door and suddenly just leave all that energy behind as you interact with your family. These are important questions, right? So is this safe for you on all levels? Uh, What do you do if you sense trouble? That's the second lifeboat question. They ignored a lot of iceberg warnings on the Titanic. What are the red flags we're seeing in our firms, in our business communities, and who's empowered to address those, right? Um, When is the time to get in the lifeboat? A lot of people on the Titanic didn't get into those lifeboats fast enough, and as a result, they perished, right? So, So, you know, does your organization make you feel safe enough to want to go the distance? What are the signs you look for before you decide to make a transition either within your firm to a different type of job, something else within the industry, or something completely different? When is it time to do all of that? 
What do you do if you freeze in a crisis? I mean, many people uh, really are trained to keep their game face on under pressure and minimize uncomfortable feelings. But these are not normal circumstances, just like they weren't on the Titanic. And we've got so many stories of people whose lives were saved because rather than suppressing their feelings, they tuned into them and listened to themselves under pressure. We're always saying it's not any decision you make, it's your decision-making process and your ability to be present for and listen carefully to the signals you're sending yourself. You know, how do you find uh, inner strength under pressure? Like when the unexpected strikes in times like these, Chris, the solution isn't in the employee handbook. It hasn't happened before we're facing new norms. So we do need to be able to respond authentically and strategically as we face the unknown. And then the last three, you know, who do I trust in a crisis? We'd like to be able to trust ourselves. How do we build relationships with other people and organizations that reinforce our ability to trust ourselves? And I think that's one of the most important things we talk about in Lifeboat because there are many things we can't do alone. We can't row a lifeboat through the icy waters of the Atlantic alone. And we can't see things that we need to shift and change within ourselves sometimes without the perspective of others because we've conditioned ourselves not to know those things for our own comfort level, right? And then how do we survive together? You know, relationships are not just transactional under crisis conditions. And we talk a lot about what I think is a vital shift from the self-help mindset, which is understandable, but it's about our personal security, to the us-help mindset, where we're out there taking those risks and doing things for other people without stopping to calculate what's in it for us. Because if we wait for that calculation, sometimes the moment's over, right? And then I think most important for your listeners, the final lifeboat question, Chris, you know, what will be my story? Because if we look at what happened to those Titanic survivors, once they got through that, their path of destiny was changed forever. Well, we're in a historic time in our business environment, in our nations, in the global economy on so many levels. And so when we look back on this period, we'll be asking ourselves, what was I like as a leader going through this? How will people describe my leadership legacy? Or when I talk to my family about what these years were like, my kids, my grandkids, how will I explain the way I navigated this period and how it shaped me as a person? Yeah, it's, it's quite a, it's a life-defining moment at the moment in terms of how we choose to respond to it, isn't it? It's Absolutely, a, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's almost a, you know, if, we're, if we're leaders, it's almost the, the perfect test in some ways uh, as to how we, how we do that and how it impacts people around us. So let's start with, let's talk about, is this ship, ship safe? Um, and I, I think I can really see that if you look at a, an organization, no perspective, um, as you described, but what um, what really kind of is important that we we consider you know, right now around uh, around safety and the safety of the the vessel that we're operating in. Well, you know, and I'm sure you're going through this with leaders and clients around the world as well, Chris. Uh, I talk to many people who are saying, you know. Should I stay in this organization? Uh, should I change careers? Or, you know, should I maintain the senior management team? Should I keep working with this person who, you know, the, the feedback is that they're, they're difficult uh, under pressure? And we talked about lifeboats in the beginning. And one thing about uh, lifeboats is it really makes you look at what you have and not be frivolous about the resources in front of you. So 
when I'm talking to people about what's safe and whether they stay or whether they go, I go through the basic checklist first. You know, if something that you're dealing with is impacting your physical health, and of course, in a pandemic, this is a loaded question, right? That it may be time to make a transition. If something's impacting your mental health, you've got to look at that. And you always have to prioritize your ability to be present for the people who need you at a time like this. But when we get to these issues of safety, again, we want to look at how your current conditions are impacting your relationship with yourself. Oftentimes, and this comes up a lot in the examples in the book, I'll be dealing with someone who seems to be in a no-win situation. They've got a boss that's very difficult, and that boss's blind spots and bad behavior are coming out all over the place. There are unreasonable demands on their schedules, difficult things happening in departments. And what they often have to look at is what is the relational lesson for them in this dynamic, and how do they embrace that? And the reason why that's always an important first step when you're figuring out whether or not something is safe for you, is it a temporary learning moment that's difficult that you can learn from in terms of not being overly aggressive or not being too, too much of a doormat in a certain situation? Can you learn something that will help yourself and people around you? When you've embraced that relational lesson and you still don't see the satisfaction or the movement, then you're looking at something different. But if you jump too quickly from something that might have been safe and you haven't embraced what you can learn about yourself in that situation first, you may recreate the problem in a different organization wherever you go. I think what's coming to me listening to that is that, you know, as, as we go through, as we go through life, it's, it's never going to be plain. It's never going to be plain sailing, is it? It's we're always going to have even pandemic aside, we're always going to have, um, you know, different situations that are going through, a, you know, the stages of, of, um, you know, growth and maturity and decline. And that includes probably roles and, and, and relationships. And they don't all happen at the same time, do they? So we've got to navigate these, these murky waters. But what, um, when it comes to relationships with bosses, um, I, if I look back on my career, I've got a few years behind my life, but a few years <laughs> behind me now. And um, I look back on it and actually sometimes when I've had the most difficult bosses, I've actually learned the most. Oh, it's so uh, true. About and about leadership, and I think I think I learned to be a better leader through some of those difficulties. And I'm thinking about one in particular, uh, by because I had to look at myself, I had to look at her, and I had to decide how I was going to respond, and then take away the learnings from it for how I was going to be with people in the future. I, I think two acronyms um, that I talk about with clients a lot are weight, W A I T weight. Why am I talking? <laughs> right? And hail, H-A-I-L. How am I listening? Am I listening to understand? Am I listening for somebody else to take a breath so I can interject my point of view and win everybody to my agenda? Right? Am I listening at all in the particular situation? And all of these things come to bear because one of the real uh, great opportunities we have in this pandemic, and I, I call it an opportunity, although that might be a euphemism because for many of us, it's quite a challenge. But when we are um, in the midst of something and we get interrupted because many of us are so highly scheduled, let's say you, you lose an important document or God forbid even lose an important client when a child or a pet or what have you comes charging into the office. You know, how do you respond? Because taking a quick look at that will give you a glimpse of how you talk to yourself under pressure 
right? Are you centered? Do you have a good sense of humor? Or do you have this voice barking orders in your head? And that's a very important piece to keep straight because it's very difficult to be present and give others the benefit of the doubt and listen strategically to them if you cannot practice those skills with yourself. Yeah. And that is why, right, the conversations with the self are so important. Yeah, and, and I, I'm also kind of thinking that sometimes you might have this difficult boss, but it, it could actually be that it's you who's the problem. <laughs> I can't tell you, Chris, the number of times I'll have somebody call me up and go, this just happened and that's not me. Like somebody lost their temper on a Zoom call and just, just popped off it. And they'll, they'll call me and they've got to get back on it or something like this. And, and they're really, they're wonderful people. It's just that there's so many pressures going on right now that we have to be clear in the present moment about what's going on with our relationships with ourselves. That's why learning to pause and, and center those feelings and accept them without letting them capsize us are so, so important because when there's so many pressures going on and so many demands, you can't just suppress them. You can't just act like they're not there. They're there. So you really have to learn that self-management piece so you can walk yourself through what you're saying, who you're saying it to, why, how, tone, pacing. And that's not about being inauthentic. That's very authentic. That's just about being clear about what's opening up inside you. And sometimes you can have quite a sense of urgency and remembering that it's not just what you want to convey. It's not just the image you're trying to get across or the message. It's how other people feel about themselves in your presence that's yeah. critical. That's one of those skills we learn on the lifeboat because there's nowhere to hide on the lifeboat. You're right there yeah. and seeing yeah. everybody. So you've got to deal with how they feel about themselves based on the way that you have chosen to convey your message to them. Yeah. So, so we have to take, we have to think about our inner climates. And uh, of course, the other thing I'm just sort of got to ask you is that what often happens in these situations when things are tough is people develop their own story, don't they? And the story gets bigger and bigger and they tell it to more and more people and, uh, and it becomes a self-defeating prophecy and, and impacts mental health too. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up, Chris. In the, in the beginning of LifeBoat, when we talk about these different shifts people go through in the LifeBoat process, we talk a lot about the fact that we contrast the, uh, the big ship mindset and the LifeBoat mindset, both with some of the people in the Titanic and with working people. And we talk about when you're coming from the big ship mindset and you get emotionally triggered, you'll be dealing with something that I refer to as your inner iceberg, right? And that's where all these feelings that you'd prefer not to know about yourself sort of build up and many people create a narrative where they cast themselves as a victim or in some dramatic terms, probably based on emotional memories of things that have happened in the past that justify and rationalize their desire to sort of pop off or, or withdraw and just ghost people or whatever the less effective behavior is. And they're using that narrative to give themselves permission to take action that may not be effective and may not be in the best interests of the organization and the people around them. Yeah. So I've got about four minutes till commercial break, but how, so we've identified maybe that we're in a situation where our ship might not be safe for us. And there's this, there's this crisis going on, whatever that may be in, in your organization, um, within yourself. Uh, what happens if um, at that sort of critical, those critical points and there's, there's a critical, 
called time, isn't there? It's almost like a movie when the way that we respond to a situation can really impact the out- outcome. What happens if we freeze? And how do we find that inner strength to, to move forward? There's a great uh, piece in the, the book Lifeboat, and we, we may not be able to, to fully give it its due before the break, but it literally contrasts how Robert Hitchens, who was uh, in charge of one of those lifeboats, froze under pressure because he couldn't stop playing from the script he had been given on the big ship. In contrast with Margaret Brown, who was a civilian just thrown on that lifeboat at the last moment and who was able to align her thoughts, feelings, and actions in the present moment and against all odds become the informal leader who saved the day. I think it's very much about people's ability to have that inner emotional agility and be in touch with how they're feeling and also observant about what's going on with the different priorities of the people around them in the moment. And that's how people develop strengths from within themselves they didn't know they had. You know, sometimes the clients will call me up and say, that wasn't me, I couldn't believe it. And then they work through the lifeboat process and they say, Maggie, you, you, uh, we had a meeting the other day and somebody said something perfect that diffused the tension. And two seconds later, I realized it was me. Because when we master this ability to be centered within ourselves, we develop strengths from within that we might not have even known we had. Mm. I think, yeah. And, and do, do you, that's quite interesting that's about you know, that example where you know, something came out of her uh, and, and she said it. It's almost sometimes I, I feel myself that sometimes things come through me. It almost didn't come from me. It, uh, it came from somewhere else in the, in the moment. Um, do, do that require us to be in a particularly sort of a, a calmer state to allow those things to flow through? Well, I don't know whether it's just calm. I think it's present because if you think about Robert Hitchens, he was put in charge. He froze. He got into a power struggle with one of the other gentlemen on that lifeboat. And there were all these women. And Margaret Brown was there. She was a passenger for first class. She was noticing what her fellow first class passengers needed, giving clothing to people who were frightened, organizing people to to an oar when individually they were too weak. And finally was the one person to shut Robert Hitchens down when he was saying that they were, you know, they were sort of all doomed. So she didn't really think her way through this. She didn't want a naval career. She aligned her thoughts and feelings and actions with what was going on in the present with some sense of urgency. And I believe by doing so, Chris, greatness found her. Hmm. Well, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break. And uh, after the break, let's talk a bit about um, who, can I, who can I trust? And um, <laughs> very important question in this situation. And, Absolutely critical. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how are we going to survive uh, together? So as you mentioned earlier, you know, that we approach rather than um, just trying to save your own own skin so we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with maggie craddock and we're talking about uh, unexpected changes and dealing them with them and disruption and uh, and before the break you were talking about this example on one of the lifeboats, Maggie, and uh, reading through your book, I believe it was a, a famous lifeboat called, which was number six. Do you want to just tell us a little bit more about that um, particular, particular you know, scenario that uh, played out on that? Well, I'd love to, Chris, because, you know, lifeboat number six is one of my favorite parts of the Titanic story. And of course, we're all familiar with the movies and all of this and going down with the ship. But the dynamics that played out on Lifeboat Number Six, and some people may know there was a Broadway show called The Unsinkable Molly Brown about some of these dynamics, right? One of the most fascinating stories to come from this when we look at what happened in the Titanic and what's happening in our lives. Because Lifeboat Number Six was under the command of Quartermaster Robert Hitchens. And this was the gentleman who had his hands on the wheel of the Titanic, the big ship as it was barreling towards the iceberg at full speed, right? And as he's holding the ship and it's it's just going at top speed towards that iceberg, Robert Hitchens is the guy who heard Frederick Fleet in the crow's nest say, you know, berg ahead. And in one of history's most tragic examples of responsibility without authority, Hitchens wasn't authorized to turn that wheel. He had to get that order from a superior officer. And at precisely that moment, no one was there to give it to him. And of course, with just split seconds to do so, he finally gets the command. He turns the wheel. They're all hoping for the best. But of course, it wasn't quick enough and tragedy ensued. So the next minute we find Robert Hitchens, he's now put in charge of lifeboat number six. He's being lowered. He's with only two other gentlemen, Arthur Poochin, who was a senior gentleman from the boat, and Frederick Fleet, who was the lookout. And now we've got, you know, roughly a little more than 40 women from steerage and first class on this boat all fighting for their lives, plopped into the water. And so Hitchens begins to break down under pressure. This is a classic example of the big ship mindset causing someone to freeze. He was supposed to be in command from everything he had been taught. Like we said earlier, the answer isn't in the employee handbook anymore. They were doomed. 
These women didn't know how to row. They didn't have enough provisions. He was terrified. And he may have been going through some sort of internal crisis because let's face it, if you had your hands on the wheel of this thing and were not authorized to turn it in time and did not snap out of role, but just followed that command and then tragedy ensued, there'd be a little inner tension going on at that point, right? So here's Robert Hitchens, you know, and he's in a power struggle with the other guys on the boat. And Margaret Brown is a gracefully aging grandmother who just got on the Titanic at the last minute to get to the bedside of her sick grandson. She wasn't even there for all the pageantry, although I'm sure she enjoyed it before they hit the iceberg. And so she's sitting there with no naval training. She's watching the people around her. She's listening to the other women in first class becoming very agitated because they're used to people being smoothed over and things being smoothed over and things weren't going smoothly. She's giving items of her clothing to people from steerage who didn't have enough to wear. They're not moving because they're not strong enough to pull the oars and they don't know how. And while Hitchens is fighting with other people and claiming they're all doomed, she's organizing these women to do an oar, which is life-saving because it keeps them warm. It also gets them moving. And at this point, Robert Hitchens, who's still playing this part scripted for him on that big ship, tries to shut her down because he's in command. And who is she to get people to do all these little things without his authorization? And at that point, that's when Margaret Brown stands up and commands a strength I don't even think she knew she had until that point. And she faces Robert Hitchens and she tells him that if he doesn't stop with the pessimism and stand down, they're going to throw him overboard. And at that moment, the group energy of everyone gets behind her. And he does stand down. And by the time they're rescued by the Carpathia, they're calling Margaret Brown, Lady Margaret, um, <laughs> the force that united them all, right? Wow. She, she's a, she's a, a new, new hero. Well, I, I think so. I think she's, she's formidable because she's so agile under pressure, but you know she was terrified too. But what she did was Hitchens hit that fear and then he spun out and got into the cycle of being frozen because he didn't know how to work with that within the script he had been given on the big ship. Yeah. Margaret Brown faced that fear and she was in the present moment. She had the same fears. She realized other people did too. And she took one incremental positive action, every little thing she thought she could do, which didn't solve the problem all at once, Chris, but it got them moving in the right direction. And that is how we navigate unexpected change and disruption. Yeah, that, that, that uh, she made that decision that she didn't trust him, did she? She didn't trust him, and she also made another decision. She said, when he said they're all doomed and they're going to die, she made the internal decision, not today. I am going to live to see my grandson. These other people are going to live to try to greet their loved ones again. You might be resigned to this fate because of the narrative you've created for yourself, a la our previous conversation, right? But I am not agreeing with that narrative. I am going to find the courage to look the fear that we're all facing dead in the eye and find the next right thing I can do just in time learning to get through this thing and align myself in such a way that we can move in a positive direction. Yeah. And this requires, you, you talked to, right at the beginning about you know, the importance of, to, if you want to have a great career, you have to be brave and I'm listening to that and I'm thinking about all these examples with, you know, a, a consultant surgeon in a, a theater going down one route and, and, and people following him down the wrong route with the surgery or, uh, you know, not really being brave enough to stand up to him uh, and the, mm -hmm. the, the importance of the effect of authority over people who are more junior. Mm -hmm. 
you know, <laughs> these are these are kind of key moments, aren't they? That um, we could naturally follow the pattern, but it might take us towards our doom. So who, who can we trust in a crisis? Well, you know, let, let's go to that. And as we go to that, let me say that for all your listeners, there's always an internal tension between authentically trusting ourselves, right? And taking meaningful, meaningful risks on our own behalf or speaking truth to power. And then that desire we all have to fit in and be secure and be who other people want us to be. Because doesn't that seem a bit safer? But when we're facing the unknown, we must learn to tune into what's authentic for us. And who we can trust in a crisis? The people we want to be able to trust in a crisis are ourselves. But to trust ourselves, particularly under pressure, we need to have the humility to realize that this may not be the time to go it alone. So one of the things we talk about in the book is something I call lifeboat feedback. And Chris, you and I are both coaches, so we've both been involved with all sorts of different kinds of feedback, right? You know, mergers and and performance evaluations and things like this. But lifeboat feedback is very special. It it helps you identify people in your life that won't just tell you what you want to hear. They, they, They are confident enough to be emotionally honest with you. And you're not looking for feedback about what you should do in a particular situation. Should I hire this person or hire that person? Or should I stay with this firm or try something different? That's not it. They're there to listen to you and see if you are being true to yourself under pressure. They are there to help you critique your own decision-making process. Because when you talk about trusting yourself and building relationships with others you can trust, your decision-making process is so much more important than any one decision you will make. Now, I know I'm showing my leopard spots here as somebody who used to be a portfolio manager and you have to make so many trades in the course of a day, right? You've got to have a discipline around the decision-making process. But some of the important questions, these lifeboat questions that help people survive the Titanic and help us survive extraordinary disruption in our lives and careers are finding people that you can ask questions like, you know, when I talk about this with you, when I talk about this challenge, do I sound emotionally honest? Or you, do you think there are any feelings that I'm suppressing because I just can't admit them to myself quite yet, right? Yeah. And many of us have those friends, other coaches, for the luckiest of us, even our spouses, that we can have those conversations with, maybe a former college roommate. But it's important to invest in those relationships. Things like, you know, do you think I'm being clear with myself about my motives? And if I'm not, you know, why not? I mean, how much of my decision-making process is being influenced by money and my emotional relationship with money. And what are the roots of all of that? What are my body language and tone conveying to you as we talk about this, right? Um, Do you think anybody else besides me is affected by the situation that I'm facing? Or, you know, I think important for many of us who must discipline ourselves to give ourselves and other people the benefit of the doubt in this kind of extraordinary change are, you know, do you think my assessment of a difficult situation or even person is balanced and fair? Am I giving them the benefit of the doubt or are, or am I creating a narrative that draws from past bad experience I might've had with a family member or another colleague and projecting this onto the present unfairly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, what I, I'm kind of reading from all of this and obviously you're a coach, I'm a coach um, as, as part of what we do. And I know we, what we do is quite multifaceted, but the thing I've sort of certainly found very helpful during this period is um, 
is you know being uh, arranging and being part of, um, of of groups of people who can um, you know provide support and uh, reality and also you know I also invest myself in in um, coaches to support me in terms of my own development it would be inauthentic if I didn't so uh, who are your who are and I find that very 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 helpful and I think just a an observation actually from a, a very enlightened kind of group that I, I have of ex um, radio show guests who were all together is that actually at the moment it was interesting to find that everybody's having to do a little bit of healing each day to to get themselves on the front on, from the front foot we're all feeling it um so you're not uh, you're not on your own um so how, who are your ideal clients maggie and how do you help them well you know they they come from all different stripes i mean um my ideal clients are often people who have, you know, been, been workers amongst workers and now in this situation, they're elevated to a new level of leadership and they're having to manage teams remotely. They're having to figure out all the different power styles that play out when they're dealing with peers from different departments that have different priorities. They're having to look at different power styles on their teams, people that they're hiring. They may be interviewing people that they have great chemistry with. But is that chemistry going to be the same with everyone else on the team? Is it going to work out so that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, if you will, right? Um, People that have to be very careful about understanding what we talked about before. It's not just how they're coming across. It's how other people are feeling motivated. And understanding things like one size does not fit all. Some people are motivated by feeling uh, accepted and part of and emotionally validated, Other people are motivated by feeling intellectually challenged and understanding that there's rigor in the decision-making process that puts fairness first. There can be all sorts of different things for different people. But I think at the heart of all this, what all different power styles uh, come together on in terms of how we make this shift from self-help to us-help is it's so important to train ourselves in the small moments of our day to do supportive and positive things at the human level for others without stopping to calculate what's in it for us, really without stopping, because then the moment will be over. I mean, give directions even when you don't have time. Share contacts, share information about other coaches, other writers. You're doing this naturally, and so are all the great coaches and leaders. We're uniting our voices right now, you know, to try to help people uh, as a group. And just the other day, um, I had someone call me up and say, you know what, Maggie, you'd you'd always been talking about doing something for other people without calculating what's in it for you. I was going for an important job interview and a young lady came rushing in and she looked, you know, sort of a bit uncumped and kind of dazed. And she was trying to get a cup of coffee. I said, how do you take it? She said, black. I said, here, take mine. She said, I can't. He's like, you know, just go. I've got plenty of time. Well, he went up for the interview 15 minutes later. And the young lady that he'd given the coffee to was the receptionist at the firm where he was having a really important interview. And anyway, things worked out really well for him because, as you know, not that many people are in, at the in-person office these days. Absolutely. You never okay. know who's watching, right? You know, Maggie, I'm going to have to end on that note because we've come right to the end of the interview. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a great final message. Look at who you can help um, uh, right at the moment. Uh, and uh, don't, don't uh, think about what's, what's in it for you. It's been brilliant talking to you, Maggie. Absolutely loved it. I think there's some amazing... Uh, 
thinking in here, go and buy Lifeboat. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help you, I think, through these times. And uh, on next week's show, we've got Barney Winter. We're going to be talking about um, you know, branding and the importance of it uh, during these uh, uh, disruptive times and getting that, that all right. Um, it's very relevant. He's a, an amazing guy, had a big marketing agency, very popular speaker over here in the UK and around the globe. Um, and uh, I've seen him speak many times, and he has some really great, insightful gems around how we just get you know, work with our branding and uh, enable us to be sort of flexible and develop and grow. And to find out more about Maggie, um, workplacerelationships.com. That's workplacerelationships.com. And any questions or comments, please send them to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Love to hear from you. And, and I do wish you um, the very best in terms of navigating through these uh, challenging times. And of course, we're always here to support you um, week in, week out. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.